It is 5pm, of course it is. How are you? Hope you had a good day. Today is Wednesday, uh, the August, the August. It is August 2nd, 2023. My name is Richie Allen. This is your Richie Allen Show. Mark Windows joins me a bit later on. That's bloody cool, that is. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show. Live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. And I would like to hear from you on today's program. If there's a message you have for me or for Mark Windows, please send it via the website richieallen.co.uk or use the app. Of course, there is an app. The Richie Allen Show app is available to download via your smart device. So send a message to me today. Yes, Mark, it'll be fun. That'll be interesting. Much to cover with him. And while I think of it, because I might forget to mention it later on, on tomorrow's programme, I will be taking your telephone calls, your WhatsApp calls and your Skype calls tomorrow. So keep that in mind, please. As there are memes on Facebook and on Twitter with all the details and on the website too. So tomorrow, your calls, your WhatsApp calls and your Skype calls with Mark Windows today on today's programme. That's shirt chippers him. I'm in fine, better form today than yesterday. Yesterday, I was under a bit of pressure because I had some, I had some workmen here doing work and it needed a bit of supervision. So I didn't mention anything yesterday, but I was a bit, uh, what's the word, a bit kerfuffled when I got on air. But it was a nicer, calmer, more relaxing production thing today. So I'm in much better... I mightn't have sounded like I was kerfuffled yesterday, but uh, yeah, it was a mad day yesterday. I want to say hi to Catherine, by the way, who's in Texas and who sent a message through the app saying, you are the same age as my oldest son, and then says some very nice things about this radio show. Catherine in Texas, fantastic, thank you for that. She asked me about the P.O. box for the for the programme, which is relatively new. And if you are overseas and you'd like to send me a letter or even some support for the programme via the P.O. Box, yes, you do need to use the address, which can be found on support your show on richieallen.co.uk. It says support your show on the on the banner. Uh, you will get the P.O. Box address. But if you're overseas, it probably does help to put UK. So the BBG PO Box 749, Salford M50SD, and then United Kingdom if you're overseas. So thanks very much, Catherine in Texas. And uh, she heard about the programme a year ago. And she's been listening ever since, and that's very kind of her to say. Now, the Ireland football women, the women who play football for Ireland, lost to Australia in the World Cup. By the way, the World Cup for women is in Australia and New Zealand, joint hosts this time around. So the Irish women went over there. They lost to Australia. They lost to Canada. And then they drew nil-nil with Nigeria. Now, I once played for St. Joseph's under-11s and we were the worst team in the Waterford Schoolboy League and we'd have beaten the Nigerian women. Ireland are shite, right? Not to put too fine a point on it. Shite. In the Nigeria game, the Irish captain, God bless her, had a row with the manager, who's a Dutch woman, God bless her, uh, during the game. During the game, she had a row with her manageress. 
the captain. She lost it and told the manageress to make some substitutions, basically throwing her teammates under the bus. Ah, girls. Ireland's World Cup couldn't have been any worse. I mean, it couldn't have been any worse. However, in the upside-down world we live in, the Irish women will have an open-top bus parade in O'Connell Street, Dublin tomorrow. What kind of fuckery is this? <laughs> it's fuckery. Ireland disgraced the nation. St. Joseph's could have beaten Nigeria. I've already said that. Open-top bus parade, you, uh... Well, you hear that, Tom? No. Could you repeat it? Because I, I can't believe my fucking ears. Neither can I. Brian? Fuck off. No, no. It's an open-top bus parade. Celebratory. A celebratory occasion to welcome back the Irish women tomorrow. It's over to Morning Ireland on RTE. Now, the Republic of Ireland football team are on their way home from Australia. Af- In disgrace. After going out of their first World Cup tournament. A- In disgrace. After the first round. Vera Pau and her squad will be welcomed home at a special public ceremony on Dublin's O'Connell Street in front of the GPO tomorrow evening. <laughs> They'll be welcomed with a special ceremony tomorrow in front of the GPO. I wonder will anybody turn up? Let's hear more. And we're joined now by the Lord Mayor of Dublin, Dahi de Roshta. Um, Dahi de Roshta. David Rose. Dahi de Roshta. Even I, a proud Irishman, a Republican who does speak Coupla Fuckle. I've got some decent Irish, not pidgin Irish. I speak pretty, I, I speak Irish pretty well. One of these days, we, we will have a guest on who speaks it and we will have a conversation. Um, but uh, even I get embarrassed. Dahi de Roshta. David Rose, dipstick. Um, Lord Mayor, you're very welcome. What's the plan? What's the plan? Good morning, Audrey. Um, the plan is very simple. Tomorrow night, we're going to have a big homecoming for the team on O'Connell Street at about half six. So there's going to be entertainment there by Block Rock and Beats, DJ Deck, Pierce. Um, there's going to be lots of fun. MC Dave Moore from Today, uh, Today FM will be there with us. So I suppose we've all enjoyed watching the girls in green do us proud in Australia and now it's our chance to tell them in person what? just how proud we are of them. Is this a crazy upside down virtue signalling universe? Is it where your personal experience, your lived experience becomes the truth no matter what? We're all very proud. They've done brilliant. They, they didn't. They didn't. They were beaten by the Aussies, by the Canadians, and they couldn't score a goal against Nigeria. And the manageress and the captain, the captainess, had a row on the pitch. They absolutely humiliated the country, David. Dahi de Roshta. Dahi de Roshta. This is madness, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, I'm well old enough to remember Italia 90 and the big homecoming for Jack and the lads. Will it- Jack and the lads? I'm old enough, says Audrey, to remember the time when Jack and the lads came back from Italia 90. Yeah, but the lads got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup and only lost to Italy 1-0 because that baldy little bollocks, Scalacci, scored a goal and uh, knocked us out 1-0. But they, they, they'd played England, they'd played Holland, they'd played Egypt, they... They knocked Romania out in the quarterfinals on penalties with, with Hadji. The lads deserve the homecoming because they've done us proud-like. Will it be similar to that? Will there be the open-top bus and the speeches and everything? And the speeches and everything? I hope it will be, yeah. As I said, I think it's really... They got fucking hammered! They got hammered! And they absolutely embarrassed the country! The imperative to acknowledge the remarkable achievement they have, so the biggest um, and best homecoming that we can possibly have and O'Connell Street will be shutting down tomorrow night. Oh, lovely. Yeah, inconvenience the fucking city of Dublin and everybody who lives there. Shutting down O'Connell Street tomorrow night. Why Why is that? Uh, we're welcoming back the women, but they'll be useless. Yeah, but we're going to shut O'Connell Street down anyway and have a massive, big virtue signalling exercise. Audrey, I think it's important to say, um, seeing is believing for me. Seeing is believing for me. And witnessing the Ireland World Cup squad being celebrated on a grand stage 
I think that's going to have a big impact on young girls and instilling in them the belief that they too can agree, achieve greatness. You too can go to the World Cup and get hammered and argue amongst yourselves and embarrass the country. You too can do fuck all in a major football tournament and come home and be celebrated as if you've won it. <laughs> Your lived experience is all that matters. Might as well give them medals as well and give them a trophy when they come back. So hopefully it is. I mean, we all saw those celebrations and remember them from Italian 90 and USA 94. And hopefully we've something similar for the ladies tomorrow. Yeah, but the difference is in Italian 1990, we got to the quarterfinals. In US 1994, we beat Italy in the giant stadium in New York. An, an astonishing thing, really. Paul McGrath, best performance of all time in a green jersey. Ray Houghton with the goal. We got to the second round of that, but we were, we were, we were knocked out by the Mexicans. By the Mexicans, I think. I don't know what's going on, but anyway, I suppose um, she did go on to say, did the presenter Audrey? She did go on to mention, and you can, if you don't believe me, you can go to Morning Ireland's website. She did go on to say, how sure was he that there would be a large attendance tomorrow, as the interest in the World Cup hasn't been great on Irish telly. It's not been great on British television either. But the BBC and the wanky media here would have you believe that everybody is glued to the US, uh, sorry, glued to the Women's World Cup. But they're not. Because most football fans, we watch men's football. And we'll watch women's football occasionally, but not very often. But I should only speak for myself. Nine and a half minutes past the hour. Of course women should play football if they like. Of course they should. They should organise themselves and play. But it is a bit crazy they're trying to tell you that white is black and green is actually purple. That there's phenomenal interest in this World Cup. There isn't. There just isn't. Anyway, shall we talk about something completely different? Let's do that. Um, crickets, anyone? So after you've come back from O'Connell Street tomorrow night after paying homage to the failures in green, you might fancy, you might be a bit peckish on the way home. Supermarkets are selling crickets, not just in Ireland, but in the UK too. And a cricket provider... A woman who provides crickets to the supermarkets went on Times Radio to talk about crickets and why crickets are lovely and nutritious and we should all be eating them soon. We're a small company um, which uh, were producing, farming and um, cooking with insects. We've been serving them in a um, couple of the biggest uh, shopping centres in, uh, in London. Uh, we had like a... 100% success rate. Everybody that tried them liked them. Okay, this is just uh, uh, guacamole, so avocado and peppers and tomatoes. She's given the presenter guacamole and peppers and tomatoes with some crickets mixed into it. So this is like when the future missus gave me frog's legs to eat. Now, she didn't cook them herself. She didn't catch the frogs, kill them and cook them. We went to a restaurant and she said, go on, try the frog's legs. Go on, be brave. Because I'm never brave when it comes to trying new food. I'm a bit of a coward. But I said, go on, sure, I'll have them. But sure, you might as well have been eating, I don't know, I, I was going to say something terribly disgusting there. I'm glad I censored myself. I could have been eating anything. There was so much garlic in the dish, in the, uh, in the sauce, you know? So that's what's happening. So here's some guacamole with some tomatoes and some peppers and whatnot. And in there are crickets. She gives this to the Times radio guy. Yeah. And, and crickets. Crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Oh, crickamole. Crickamole, yeah. Crickamole. It'll catch on. Crickamole. What do you think? Well, I liked it. Mm. I mean, I'd have probably liked it without the crickets. You have slightly hidden the crickets in there, haven't you? You've smuggled them in. <laughs> sort of. Well, I was you, you, How would you know? How would you know? Well, you, I don't know. Because you don't know what a cricket tastes like. Well, I suppose yeah. it's got... Um, 
It's got a bit of texture to it, isn't it? It's got knees, hasn't it? Because <laughs> that's how they make the noise, <laughs> isn't it? The noise, isn't it? Yeah. Can I have another um, uh, guacamole? Guacamole. Okay. Yeah, cr you're guacamole. I like those. You're a dick and a radio Now, um, what else? Um, how do you get? How do you? How do you catch the crickets? Do you? Do you? How do you round them all up? Well, they have to be uh, bred into uh, very sort of hygienic mm. conditions. Indoors. And so they're not Indoors. wild. They're not wild crickets. They're not wild. No, no. I wouldn't recommend anybody uh, goes around in their garden catching crickets and other insects. Yes, do not go around catching crickets and insects. Buy them from her. She farms them in a sanitary, in a sanitary factory. Farms the crickets. You wonder, will we be hearing more of this as time goes on? As the climate crisis becomes ever more present on our news channels, our news broadcasts, will we hear more and more interviews about crickets and cricket diets and insect diets? I guess we probably will. You know, hi there to Richard. Um, yes, Richard, I might be getting into, getting into some of that with Mark shortly. He made it very interesting and sometimes very funny. <laughs> Sounding very funny. Um episode of Windows on the World where he talked about grifting in the media, which was very funny. Uh, hi to King of, who's looking forward to hearing some uh, Mark Windows shortly. So am I. I can't wait. Hi to Caroline and Mike. I can't read that out, but it's funny. It made me laugh. It made me laugh. Uh, Chris was on to say, Kabbalah Chris, Richie, a comment about the alcohol tax. I'm a truck driver for bargain booze. 25% of our drivers have been made redundant two months ago because off-licenses are closing left, right and centre. I fear the new taxation on booze will make things worse. I'm probably going to be looking for another job soon, unfortunately. I'm sorry to hear that, Chris, because by the tone of your message, it sounds like Bargain Booze might be a decent company to work for. But, um, you know, being a driver is a bloody good skill to have. A driver of trucks. I don't imagine you'll be looking too hard for a new gig, pal, but uh, all the best with that. Yes, yes. Why? Why? We, we touched on this yesterday. They want people sitting at home drinking alone, don't they? I don't understand what's happening. David says humans cannot digest the exoskeleton of insects, but cancer loves it. Now we see why they want us eating it. Now, I do not understand that. Uh, thank you, David. It's well worded. Are you telling me that if we eat the exoskeletons of insects, we will not digest them and we will pass them next time we go to the loo? And then you're telling me that um, the exoskeletons of insects are possibly carcinogenic? Is that right? Would you mind sending me something where I could read something about that, please? Isabel says, on the national French radio station today, it was announced that insects and chicken farming have exactly the same environmental impact. So there are no advantages in replacing the natural protein of chickens with insects, says Isabel. Interesting. That is very interesting, if that is true. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Isabel did hear this on the radio. But if the environmental, if, this, if the carbon footprint of farming insects is pretty much equitable with farming chicken well that is interesting isn't it but it's going to be all eat your insects shut up and eat your insects claire says in thailand they have dried crickets and dried insects as snacks in most bars they are not as popular in the tourist pubs though says claire thank you claire christine says richie gmo crickets courtesy of billy boy gates yes gotta start looking very good christine 
in Limavady, in County Derry. Very, very good. we got to start looking into some of the big players, the likes of Gates, the likes of even Tony Blair. Where are they investing their money? Are they buying up farms? Now, we know that Gates has bought up a lot of farmland in North America, don't we? What is he planning to do with that farmland? Grow GMO crops, of course. No doubt about that, but will he be farming crickets? Maybe. Can I give you a public service announcement? But before I do that, can I tell you that I am not, I don't, I currently don't have any advertising. I'm not running any ads, right? And recently, when I ran a couple of ads, I did it as a favour. I didn't get anything for it. Not even a thank you. Uh, funnily enough but um, I, I'm, I'm about to do a public service announcement and and uh, I'm not getting any money from Iceland none whatsoever but I heard this this morning on Good Morning Britain and I thought of you my listeners in the UK who are struggling I know you're struggling I know everything has gone up everything has gone up across all sectors everything rent mortgage payments Food in supermarkets, obviously everything, energy bills. So you're struggling, and I understand it. Um, I'm struggling, every single one of us is struggling, right? I had a heart attack when I got to the um, uh, checkout at the supermarket I used this morning with a small basket of stuff, no alcohol in it, bananas and stuff, stuff for the frog who I inhabit this earth, who I inhabit this this home with, um, stuff for her basically, a few bits and bobs, foodstuffs. I nearly had a heart attack, 52 quid. It would have been about 28, 29 quid last year. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? So I hear you, right? So if you're living in England or or Scotland or Wales, this might be of interest to you. Richard Walker, the chief executive of Iceland, was on Good Morning Britain today. And he says at some stage in this little clip you are about to hear, that 20% of items, 20%, one-fifth, of the things available to buy at Iceland are a pound or less. And some things are being sold for one penny. Again, I've not been asked to play to, to play this clip. I get nothing from Iceland. But uh, this might be of interest to you. Great that you can buy. This is Ed Balls, by the way, introducing this. Yeah, I know. Politician on TV. Yeah, acting as a journalist. Yeah, I know. For 1p, chocolate bacon chicken let's start again ed balls great that you can buy for 1p chocolate bacon chicken nuggets but as we said there's lots of our viewers will think is this a bit of a gimmick when you're announcing such big profits 50 pack chicken dippers today a different deal every day for 1p um no look we're, we're invested this is serious we're investing half a million pounds every single week um because our customers are really struggling through the summer holidays. And as a business, you, you mentioned record profits. Um, we're, we're not actually making any profit. We're, we're investing it all back into the business. And this is part of a, a, a range of initiatives that we're doing um, to, to, to try and help our customers when, when they need it most. But you did um, tell the city that you are expecting to make your biggest profit for 10 years. And if you can make your biggest profit and spend half a million on cheap products, why don't you spend a million and have slightly smaller profits? Well, 
we're not making any profit. We're making um, more cash this year, and then we're spending it all on the business. Uh, so when we're statutory profit, we're, we're not making any. Um, but you're right. We need to do absolutely everything we can. So uh, th- this is our one of many, many initiatives. Um, we're, um, we, we now have 20% of our entire range, which is a, a pound um, or less. I mean, that's ast- astonishing if that's true. And that they're taking a financial hit to kind of help their customers go through this, what they're calling a cost of living crisis, which is bullshit. That implies that it's accidental, that it's just bad luck. This is obviously a manufactured crisis. But um, one fifth of all items on sale for a pound or less. I mean, this it's important to know this if you're really struggling at the moment. Every Tuesday, we give 10% off to anyone aged over 60 in our shops. Um, we, we've even launched a, a food club to give interest-free loans to people who are struggling to make ends meet, who want to buy food in our stores. Wow. So if you want to buy food in his store and you can't afford it at the moment, they'll give you an interest-free loan. An interest-free loan. So you borrow 100 quid's worth of food, you've only got to pay them back the food. There's no 220% APR. Again, I have to say, I am not doing this on behalf of Iceland. I'm genuinely gobsmacked here. Um, We now have a mix and match deal across thousands of products in our store um, where you can buy products for, you know, absolute market-beating prices. And we've now slashed over 600 um, lines in our shops, um, which is part of this half a million pound investment. But you're you're absolutely right. We need to do more. Um, we're working day and night to do more, and we're trying as hard as we can because our our customers really need it at the moment. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, if you if you watched Joel Bacan's The Corporation film, which which had a cinema release in two thousand and four two thousand and five, you do you are obliged to the shareholders. Chief executive's job is to make money for the shareholders, effectively, of any company or corporation, and not to to do anything which would have a negative impact on the share price of the company or on the company's bottom line. So there's a fine line there, but I'm fascinated by that anyway. And I thought, you know, you might need to know that if you're really struggling at the moment. um, Don't believe him, by the way. Check it out. Go online and check it out. It might help you. David says, do you prefer cricket thighs to breast meat? And on that, somebody came back, Paulie came back to say that he loves all sorts of food and he is a proud carnivore, but isn't guacamole a veggie dish? What sort of person makes a veggie dish with what is essentially meat? Crickets, he says. Well, you can use, I, 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 I don't believe that guacamole, that there's some law that says you can't use guacamole with meat dishes, but it's an interesting one. Uh, Julie says, sounds like a tax break. Uh, The Iceland chief exec, yeah, that's a good point too. William says, the French call us roast beefs, or in French, roast biffs. (laughs) Ian was on to say, being advised not to eat wild crickets, says it all. Wild boar, wild cows, wild chickens, wild ostriches. No problem, but only eat our trademarked mass-produced crickets. Not suspect at all, says Ian. 23 minutes past the hour. Thank you, Ian. And I've not gotten into Donald Trump and the indictments because I just don't care. It's theatre, isn't it? Pure theatre. Designed to keep people engaged in what is a puppet show, a circus. 
you know. So maybe we'll get into a little bit of it with Mark. He might have something to say in a moment. Robbie came on to say not only food gone up, but the portions of the food have shrunk. So they're increasing the prices of food, says Robbie, but the uh, portions are getting smaller. Well observed, Robbie. I would say well observed. And on the website, richieallen.co.uk, live comment, Elizabeth, Elizabeth has posted a link to show the top 10 edible insect companies. Good head start there, Elizabeth. Gives uh, our listeners a chance maybe to do a little bit of digging for themselves to find out who are the men and women who might be the big shareholders in some of these companies. Well uh, done. And Baird did notice that Iceland was offering interest-free loans to people who, uh, so long as they shop with Iceland. I'd like to know a bit more about that. I'm not endorsing anything. I'd like to know a bit more about it. Wayne came on to say, whilst the survivors are eating insects and food from a lab, I wonder what the orchestrators of our demise will be feeding on. Will they be eating the best fillet steak with fresh veg from their personal farms? Or perhaps will they be feeding on us, which in a way they've been doing for millennia. Thank you, Wayne. Ewan says, regarding humans eating insects, this is worth a read. And he's put on a link there to a paper, a parasitological a parasitological evaluation of edible insects and their role in the transmission of parasitic diseases to humans and to animals. That's very interesting. An academic paper looking at how edible insects might transmit parasitic diseases to the humans and animals who eat them. Melanie says, it's like being a Geordie being presented with eels in London. Says Melanie, I get that, Melanie. You couldn't ask me. You couldn't pay me enough money to sample jelly deals. I find it revolting. And uh, Jules is on to say, apparently humans cannot digest um, insects. Uh, they're bad for us, says Jules. Thank you, Jules. Okay, it is 26 minutes past the hour. It is time for a tune. This is the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk, Fab Radio 2 in Manchester, and of course, on the on the app. There's an app for the programme. Download it wherever you normally get your apps from. Please do. This is Wet Leg. Wet Leg. I like Wet Leg me. Mark Windows. Windows on the World is next. You don't want to miss him. Stay with me. Don't go anywhere. That is uh, music from Wet Leg. The song is called Too Late Now. The Richie Allen Show. 29 minutes past uh, 5 o'clock. This Wednesday, had to think about that, bin day, hey Solfordians, bin day tomorrow, it's the black, the pink, and, and the brown bin, that's right, that's important, <laughs> I have to remind myself really, um, let me welcome back to the programme, an old and valued friend of mine, he is, well he wears many hats you see, musician, public speaker, researcher, journalist, broadcaster, Windows on the World, is a must, it's, it's a must watch, a must listen, you get it uh, on his website, windowsontheworld.net it's on Spreaker as well it's a real pleasure to welcome back to the show my pal, Mark Windows how you doing Mark, you well? Hi Richie, great to be back on It's great to have you back pal, where, where, do you mind if I ask whereabouts are you at the moment? Because I know you're travelling around um, Well I just got back from the UK a while ago and I'm in Bulgaria you're in Bulgaria. I love it. Yeah, we talked about Bulgaria, didn't we? Off air um, some time ago. And 
you know, how it might be an option for certain people who might want to get away from the madness or at least for the time being anyway. There's a few things. I was, I, I, I watch you regularly. I do. I, I don't say that to everybody I interview because I would be lying um, because I don't have a lot of time, but I always watch your program. I watch it on um, YouTube or I watch it on the website. And I want to talk about a recent episode you made shortly because it made me laugh, but it was also serious. And, you, you know, you, you got into some very serious themes. But I'd like to throw a few things at you, observations that I've made over the years, um, particularly recently, phenomenon or phenomena that driving me a bit mad, really. Isn't it really interesting how radio stations and television stations have appeared on our skyboxes? Now, I know you're not in the UK permanently anymore, like GB News, like Talk TV and others. Isn't it interesting, Mark, how many sitting MPs are being handed their own television and radio programmes and um, and getting to interview people from their own parties uh, about news items of the day. Isn't that an astonishing thing to behold, really? Well, yes, and it's really like a form of infiltration and gatekeeping. That's really what we were talking about in that particular show, that it doesn't really matter which side of the political spectrum these people are on. It's all been absorbed into this communitarian system now. And it's something, as you know, I've been talking about a long time. But the whole thing about the media now is it's completely absorbed, including the alternative media. And we'll come to that. Yeah, the, the, the point I made when David Lammy was given an LBC show, and you and I see things similarly when it comes to politics, we always have. doesn't matter, left or right, it makes no a bit of difference whatsoever. The House owns the parties and that's the way of it. So in case anybody is listening because of Mark and they're new to me, I'm neither left neither right. I haven't voted in a general election since 2002. That's the truth of it. So, But, but when, when Lammy appeared, I thought to myself, what an insult, Mark, to the populace. What an insult. The, 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 the media basically said, not only are we not going to hold these people to account, but we're going to replace journalists with these people and give them free reign to say whatever they want and then go back to Parliament. I mean, it's real. Amy Winehouse would have said it's fuckery, isn't it, really? Well, it's absolutely the culmination of this whole new system that's been brought in. So in other words, they don't need these agents of change and these people to infiltrate anymore. The infiltration is complete and the media is completely captured. And talking about people like David Lammy, well, he's just parachuted in there. He's not even really a politician, in my view, because he's just there to tick boxes. And he's useless, actually. I think the man is completely useless. I've actually tried to communicate him with him when I was in Tottenham. And, of course, I suppose... Tarring them with the same brush is all you can do, but I've never found MPs to be any use at all, apart from the odd thing, like you might have a mistake on your council tax bill or something like that. I've never found them to be of any use at all. You have a pretty... No, you have an excellent grasp, I think. It's through... I'm a, a journalist and an interviewer. I'm not a researcher. And I learn much of what I understand is going on from people like yourself and not too many others. You have a real understanding of where things are going and where humanity is headed. And a question I was asked to put to you last time you were on, Mark, but I never got around to it. I, and, and this is pure guessery, guesswork, really. 
the likes of Lammy and others like him on 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 you know both sides of the House of Commons, even the Lib Dems and the SNPs. How many of them do you think understand what you understand? How many of them are cognizant of where things are going? I would say absolutely none. And those that have an inkling put on their blinkers and forget about it. Really? You, you, you reckon virtually none of them can see through even their own press releases and their own party agendas, that like virtually none of them know that we're heading for a technocratic prison planet where every single thing we do is controlled. They don't get it. I don't think so, because the party political system has been captured along with everything else. So these people are at best hostages within it. And we know what happens to people who speak out. They get lambasted from all sides. And that's the way this system works. It is intolerant to anybody who goes against it. So everything is going in one direction. The only way to stop that is the public getting involved, like we've talked about so many times before. And you can't go to these people for any form of remedy because they are on board with what's going on. They can't see through it. No, they can't see through it. I mean, it's an interesting point as to whether Rishi Sunak really does know where this is heading, because he must do because of his financial interests. He must have a good idea. But I caught him speaking and well patronizing somebody on LBC, which I don't normally listen to, but it just came up. And he is trained in obfuscation and this sales patter, but there is nothing genuine there. And this is the whole of what this new political system is about. Of course, we remember how this started with new labor. And the result of that was this communitarian system, which was put in about 2010. And there's hardly any of these MPs talk about that word. There's one called David Halfen, MP for Harlow, and he says, we see the seeds of communitarianism spreading everywhere. In other words, it's an infiltration process. Some of them know about what it is, but I don't actually think a lot of them know what the real outcomes are. I really don't. That's an interesting, yeah, and you might very well be right. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think maybe at the very top, maybe, they might do. And, and maybe some of them have been compromised somehow during their, their journey. We spoke about this years ago, how you said to me years ago, and it kind of blew my mind, you said to me, Richie, don't think for a minute that the likes of Sunak and Blair and others, you wouldn't have mentioned Sunak now at the time, but people no. like that. You would have said, don't think that these guys weren't identified at uni or even earlier, that they're picked at this stage. And then for the next 5, 10, 15 years, little bits of poison are dropped into their file, like they're compromised here or there, so that they can be put into very what, what appear to be very lofty positions of power, but controlled because there's a filing cabinet, uh, you know, 20 feet deep on on some of the things that they've been compromised into doing. Found that fascinating at the time. Mark Windows is our guest. Denise has been in touch to say, love listening to Mark, plain talking, no nonsense, straight to the point. of uh, One of the few uh, journalists who is offering real solutions to the tyranny. Um, love his show, says Denise. Windows on the world.net. Thanks for that, Denise. Lots of messages coming in. Are you heartened or suspicious or both when you hear about, and I'm going to, balls this up, Mark, because I didn't write it down. I didn't, I'm going to balls this up. Um, are they called Blade Runners? People in London who are messing around with the ULES cameras. Now, I think, I can't be seen to be encouraging vandalism, but I think, you know, I understand it, and I think, you know, well done, lads. You're not supposed to say that. What do you make of it? 
I think that's exactly what we're meant to be thinking. We're going to go, well done, we're with it. However, when something is able to gain that much traction and be talked about in also mainstream media, it suggests to me that it is a false flag kind of, not false flag because that's uh, slightly different, but let's get the terminology right. It's a controlled action. It would suggest to me the language that's used, the way they're doing it. You see, the thing is, if everybody got together under the radar and started doing it, then there wouldn't be any of these cameras. But what they do is they say, oh, of course, the public need the pressure valve. We'll give them that so that somebody else is doing it for them so they don't have to do it themselves. And that's the way everything has been controlled, especially with the alternative media, if you want to call it that. They're always given these pressure valves. They're always people implanted. And I've seen it for how, well, how long have I been doing this? Since 2005, 2006. I've seen how people are implanted. Most of the people who are running these schemes are meant to be there. They have been placed there to do that job. And I'm very good at spotting them now. I actually always was because I learned about it during the Occupy protests, how that was infiltrated and steered into the Soros objectives of climate change, how the money was taken by Climate Camp Action, which yeah. was an undercover police group. All this stuff was very useful. But there's a template going on here, Richie. The public are just given these little pressure valves to stop them revolting. <laughs> it's brilliantly put that. We, um, I read a, a bit of an article recently about um, Tucker Carlson and it was very well written. It was an article that traced his time back to um, when he worked in Iraq for, um, for contractors in Iraq and all sorts of stuff like this. And somebody said to me in, in a local park, I'm really surprised, Richie, that you are critical of Tucker Carlson. You know, he's not done anything to you. And he's highlighted some very interesting issues. And I said, well, well of course, he, he's highlighted some very interesting things. But I said, doesn't Tucker Carlson ultimately steer his viewers or his fans towards his Republican candidate of choice? Do you not understand why I, who've kind of been saying the same thing on my shows for, for many, many years, why I, I don't believe we can achieve anything through the electoral system? So, so Tucker is a perfect example of what you just described there, a pressure valve. Give the, the plebs as they might see us, give us some place where we can go, where we can fall in love with somebody because they agree with us and we then believe that they're going to do something about it. And they well, don't. it stops people taking responsibility yeah. for their own actions and yeah. their own lives. And that's really all you can say about people like that. I mean, the thing is, really, it's not what these people are or stand for. It's what people believe they stand for. And if they believe they stand for what they are saying they stand for, and people are actually on board with that, well, why don't they take action themselves, proper action and and actions which are going to be useful. And as I've always said, everything to do with globalism is local. It's all on your doorstep. Yeah. So this is what I've been trying to say. And what people do is they get swept away on nonsense 
which is of no importance whatsoever. And the reason I made that show called The Conspiracy Grifters was because over the past few years, it's got worse and worse and worse. And now you have these podcasters talking crap with their mates. It's a little grifting circuit. They're all making money out of it. They know what to say and what not to say. And they are just as controlled as the mainstream media. It wasn't always like that, as we know, but I think it is now. And I did make the point that your show, and I did say my show as well, were the only ones in the UK that were truly independent and that were actually doing something of use because your show is different than mine, but it's equally and as important as anything I put out because you're, you're giving people a platform and you're not censoring them. That's the point. And all this stuff like GB News, people going about Neil Oliver. Okay, I don't want to do an ad hominem attack on him particularly. But what I'm saying is, what does he know about the system? He's going on about the government. He's blaming this one, blaming that one. He doesn't know the system. So when people send me these videos of people like him or GB News, it's kind of despairing. Because, well, if you listen to my stuff, you know the solutions. Why are you listening to this stuff? doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, because they'll steer you. I mean, I, I, just to be devil's advocate here and to be fair, um, I don't know what motivates somebody like Neil Oliver. For listeners who don't know um, who he is, he worked, I think, for the Beeb at one stage years ago. I think he was a historian and he did He's some a very historian. good shows on That's history. Right. Right. I'm not singling him out. I'm just saying that the point is that you can listen to this, Richie, going over and over again. It's a loop that goes nowhere. Goes nowhere. It's yeah. absolutely. Pointless. Oh no! I know. I know you are not. Yeah. I know you weren't yeah. attacking him specifically. Yeah. I know that. Um, no, I'm just wondering if maybe a guy like that. And I again, I don't know. And I do. I, first of all, I've got to put my hands up. I don't watch his program. I don't watch any of that stuff. But um, he might be a guy who might be beginning to figure it out. I mean, we'll know, won't we? Because if he is, he won't be on that network for for much longer. But um, but it's interesting, Mark. They they did ask some interesting questions, and this is what I can't get my head around. Like they did put it out there that the jabs might very well be harming people, and I wonder why they were allowed to do that. Well, there has to be a pressure valve for everything, Richie, yeah. because obviously they were harming people. I mean, it was in the government's own statistics, so it's yeah. only a matter of time before that trickles out. So what these people do with this system is they give you an outlet for that. But let's take it a step further and look what they're doing with the public inquiry. It will fizzle out, go nowhere like they always do. That's another energy harvesting exercise to keep the public on board, say, oh, one day they're all going to be found out. And then, of course, they go on about this nonsense of party gate as if that matters. So you always get trivia and nonsense and they never get to the single most important point. Well, who did it and why? That's the important thing. And how do we react to it? Those are the only things we need to know. The rest of it, it's a bit like the 9-11 thing, Richie. People going, oh, was it mini nukes, nanothermite, or was it this, or was it that, or was it mixed with these? And, you know, none of that matters. No, it Because the whole point is, who did it and why? That's all we need to know. Doesn't matter anymore. Remember, over the years. It's like doctors who, who, I get sent these things, Richie, and they have a, a, a Skype meeting every week, and they have someone on, someone who's probably known within this big conspiracy circus at the top end, of course, and they discuss COVID ethics. 
can you believe this? Amazing. And I actually sat there with one of these people who puts this together. I told him about this whole system and they wrote me out of the whole thing. Not that I was interested in going on it, but they had idiot after idiot after idiot on there who didn't know anything about the way it works. And they're still doing this. And I wrote to this doctor, I said, in six months time, when you're worn out, you will appreciate this letter which I've sent you. And I put it into windowsontheworld.net. It's an article called The Enablers of Apathy. And that's what these people are because they're going round and round in circles discussing the problem, but never discussing the solution. Yeah, I, I remember some, well, quite a few years ago, it must have been 2011, a journalist in Boston coined the term the truth or industrial complex. And it was a magnificent, and, and I, I didn't read this in 2011, I read it in 2016, 2017, and I was having a go at a particular organisation over something that was absolutely outrageous. You know, it was a claim made about um, children being eaten at the primary school in Hampstead, which was far oh, yes. farcical um, at the time. And I, I couldn't say nothing about it. And there were also claims made by these people about a woman called Melanie Shaw, who I got to know uh, kind of well. And it was farcical stuff. And, that and, was uh, outrageous exploitation. Yeah, it was terrible, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. 100% right. Dreadful. Yeah. I and mean, we could talk about that one all day long. It's funny because rather than what, what, I, what I began to focus on was, was not so much the organisations, but really why, why people, I, I, I mean, I, I laughed out loud quite a lot running the other morning listening to your um, episode. It was brilliant. It was funny. And it was insightful. And I thought to myself, yeah. And I got angry at times. And then I was thinking, but you know, when Certain people have the power for some people. It's so important to hear the things they believe being spoken to them on a podcast that it, it doesn't matter to them when they come to you. Because I never voluntarily went after anybody. I somebody would come to me and say, Richie, why don't you interview this guy? And I would say, Not in a million years. You know, this is the guy who said that children were being eaten in Hampstead Heath. This guy's a lunatic uh, or he's a grifter or whatever. And then he would get very annoyed. Oh, yeah, but uh, he, he, he said this. Uh, he puts out the COVID stats. Uh, he's, I said, it doesn't matter what he does. He's the guy who told people that babies were being eaten at Hampstead Heath. Well, this is another angle of it, Richard. Yeah. And this happened to me. If they put out something that is actually an outrageous conspiracy theory and a real one, just a, just an absolute fantasy and if you don't go along with that then of course you're a shill yeah and they start doing all that so you can't win with the truthers because they're too far gone they're in a religious cult that's all it is now and they want to play past the parcel with the latest nonsense all is they're interested ultimately in is titillation they're not interested in doing anything they're interested in maybe going to a protest to hang out with their mates and go to the pub and talk uh, truther stuff discuss all of these big issues that they don't manage to join together or work out and they go in this endless loop and people i've known for years keep sending me this nonsense and i said why are you sending me this there's no information where is the information what is the purpose of this and what action are you going to take after you have heard it 
Let's, um, what's the point? What's the point? Let's read some comments. Um, it's good we're getting a little bit of balance here. James has been on to say that in his opinion, Neil Oliver has worked it out, says James. If you watch his own personal podcast, it's clear he knows what he can say on GB News and what he can't say. But, but at where's least, the solution, Richie? Where's the solution? Where's the solution? Yeah. Yeah. He waffles on and waffles on and goes into these tirades, which uh, are obviously very articulate, but what's the point? Can That's I, what I'm asking. Can I, can I just say? Point? Can I just say yeah. this because you you yeah. were very kind in what you said about this show, and I, I really it touched me. I, I really appreciated it, and um, I was mindful when I listened to that. I've never offered a solution in my life, really. I, I like to listen to people like you, who are very good at putting things together and explaining it. I mean, I think um, the, the work on you know the global agenda, but it's really going to be delivered locally, is very important and. Uh, um, but I, I, I don't do any of that. I speak to people and I listen. But it would be fair then, by your logic, to level that same accusation at me because I've had many a rant during monologues about the state of the shit show and how annoyed I am by it. But I don't really offer any solutions to my listeners. Now, maybe I'm doing that by speaking to somebody like yourself, but I don't, you know, so so maybe it might, might be a little bit unfair to Neil Oliver, maybe, to say you should have solutions. I mean, if he's saying... No, I look, think it's what people, it's what people conceive it to be, Richie. I'm not, I'm not even talking about him. Yeah. I'm talking about the stuff they're putting out when people send it to me is off target. And I've been pointing at the target for 15 years, but... Then people will say, oh, he's really woken up. Woken up to what? Well, everyone wakes up in the morning. But unless you have worked this out, then it's just going to be a talking shop, which is fine. Yeah. But what we were getting at was the way that this sort of alternative media has just turned into a sort of... The people's front of Judea. Version. The people's yeah, front a, a, of Judea. That's what it is, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you absolutely. remember that scene? Do you remember that yeah. scene when they're sitting there and the woman comes? When I was listening to you the other morning, I channeled that. I just belly laughed out loud. Yes. When you were to, because that's exactly what the grifters are, really. So they're sitting there talking about nothing. Um, and Brian, poor Brian, is, is 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 up on the cross, and the woman comes in and says, "Listen, we can actually do something here. We can actually achieve something. Let's go and get Brian." And they all look at her like she's crazy, laugh at her, and then they go back to talking about how shit everything is again. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I detected, as much as I laughed, real frustration in you because it's happening. This stuff is happening. And it's a, it's a train wreck, isn't it? And it's a slow motion train wreck. And you've been, when I say banging on, that's not in any way to be derogatory, not in a million years, but you've been got the bullhorn to your lips for more than 15 years and um, it's like uh, it, and, and you're watching people rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Well I'm also, I'm also yeah. watching them being led like donkeys and I don't mean this to sound patronising it's just that the whole thing is really simple, that's why I wrote that series The Protocols of Power I was doing shows last year about how to tackle all these low traffic neighborhoods, which are obviously going to be reframed and yeah. renamed because once something becomes unpopular, they change the name of it. But the point is that we gave them how the, the absolute method to stop the local consultations and to outline this. All it needs is people in different cities up and down the country to do this. 
and not get taken over because all of this stuff has been infiltrated and taken over, unfortunately, like you were saying with the with the camera thing. It's all controlled and people will never get this. And they go, oh, stop being so negative. I'm saying, no, I'm being extraordinarily positive. I'm trying to make this simple so it works because I'm only interested in stuff that works. And those shows I did last year, um, and it's in an article called How to Oppose LTNs and Local Councils on the homepage of Winners on the World. There's a bullet points of how to do it. And there's also an interview I did with Madeline Hunt, who was around during the times of the Solidarity Movement. She was in it with her brother. And they knew what this system was and the system that's coming in in Britain, which has been coming in for quite a long time, which is based on Marxism but it's called communitarianism. They knew that system. The system that they're imposing is really simple. So I, it is frustrating when people are going all over the place and they're not focusing on the solutions. The solutions are actually very simple and the solutions are available to everybody. They just have to start taking action. Jonathan Stone is in Ireland. Hi, Jonathan. He says, Richie, I, wa I was surprised when GB News had one big live show about the people harmed by the jabs, but there wasn't much of a follow-up. It seemed that the live show was just bait for all the vaccine hesitant who they then fed with stories about Harry and Meghan for the next two years. It's exactly what you said, Mark. So they bait in people. Oh, look, GB News is taking on vaccine injuries. And then they don't really do much afterwards. And next thing it's all bashing Harry and Meghan, bashing w w whatever is popular to bash um, at that particular moment. But um, what about following up with some of these people and their relatives who died when they were jabbed? That's a very good point Jonathan makes there, you know. Just There's another issue. Sorry, sorry, no, 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 Just you go ahead. While go I'm ahead. thinking of it. There's this thing, this COVID tapestry. I was talking about it to someone the other day. And it's all about the damage that was done during COVID. So why don't these people who are talking about vaccine injuries or have lost family members in hospital um, or have suffered through this whole charade, which it was, which, which it, it was real in one sense because people reacted to it, but the way it was played out and the... The impositions that were used were all out of the World Health Organization manual from 2007. They've been planning it a long time. And that was an audacious attempt at a silent war. But the point is, this COVID tapestry thing, if people all over the country threw in their stories and their objections and inundated it, because this is meant to be for all the people that suffered during COVID. So people should actually take control and start going for that. That's yeah, just a small you. thing, but I was talking about it some other day, uh, some, someone the other day, and he said, well, there's an MP that could get involved, maybe Andrew Bridgen, because he's stuck his um, head above the parapet. Why doesn't he get involved with that? Because that could actually unite people. Of course, he's going to be attacked. Anyone who does this is going to be attacked, but you have to know the manoeuvres that are going to be made against you. And this is the problem that people are still far too trusting. They don't understand the system. They don't understand how insidious it is. And these things can be countered. And I can prove it because the, these, the evidence of that is all on my website. I've found out how most of this stuff works over the years. 
There's no doubt. I, I, I totally get it. We spoke about it last time. We spoke yeah. about how ordinary people can infiltrate um, local authorities and groups and, and make and make a huge difference. And, and I totally believe that that's, that's possible. I mean, I was dubious, but I, I, I do believe it's possible. Uh, Windowsontheworld.net is Mark's website. We're speaking with Mark Windows. Lots of comments on this. Um, lots and lots of supportive ones, but because you're very thick-skinned, you have to be, don't you, doing what you do. Oh, yeah. Um, Holly says, look, some of us, this is Holly in Swinton. We have different gifts and different solutions. All of us, we, we, we possess different gifts and different solutions. Does Mark accept this or, Wedford, is it your way or the highway, Mark? Well, that's got nothing to do with what I was talking about. I wasn't saying it was my way. I'm not giving anyone advice. I'm just saying how the system works. Yeah. After 15 years of looking at it. So it's not, we've all got different talents. Yeah, that's kind of obvious. But if you form a group, then obviously you're going to have to have people with different talents. Because if you all did the same thing, then it wouldn't be a group, would it? It wouldn't work, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, don't understand that. It's uh, 90 seconds to 6 o'clock. It's uh, your Richie Allen show live on the usual platforms. Mark Windows, my old pal. 10 years now I know you, more or less, isn't it? I think it? so, yeah. Yeah, about 10 years, yeah. Um, Mark and I worked at the People's Voice in London back in 2013. Um, um, and I'm glad to still know uh, the, the gentleman. He's on with me for uh, another half an hour, a little bit more than a half an hour. Thanks for all your messages, Paul the way. A lot of love for Mark Windows on this programme uh, today. Um, Paul says, um, I've read the Apathy Enabler article. Very good, he says. Can you ask Mark if he is familiar with the work of Eustace Mullins? Well, Mark, you mentioned him, didn't you? In the uh, Eustace uh, Mullins was probably the best researcher in so-called alternative media ever. And I kind of get very sad about the whole thing when I think how it's ended up, because he was a pioneer. He was writing books on vaccination, on how the world was run and the Federal Reserve. And he ended up being completely derided. And I think he, he died in some old people's home in America. But he was an amazing man. And those are the people that gave me inspiration to be a journalist, to actually research. Because when you have people of that caliber, that really is a high bar. And we haven't got that bar anymore. Eustace Mullins was one of the greats, definitely. What I liked about I I know no I don't know anywhere near as much about Eustace as as you do, but what I liked about those people, and um, I'll include you in this. This is going to sound like a self-congratulating, you know, loving between me and Mark. It isn't. I don't do that on this show. I do not. But I, I'm interested in people who want to communicate their. Um, message, their research to people who've never heard it before. And I really liked what you were doing over the years, having um, talks in pubs and in venues where you knew you would have the opportunity to speak with people who might hear it for the very first time. Because anything else really was navel-gazing. And you mentioned some people. I, I, I remember years and years ago, years ago, a gentleman called Ian Crane who's no longer with us, and I'm not going to say a bad word about him, not because I liked him, but because he's not alive and he's not here to defend himself. But when I started this radio show after the collapse of TPV, he got on to me very quickly, and he asked me, did I want to go and speak at an Alternative View conference, which I'd never heard of? And I asked him to explain it to me, and when he did explain it to me, I offended, I didn't mean to offend him, but I said, but isn't that just a bit like Comic Con? And he said, what do you mean? But I said, isn't it like Comic-Con, really? 
I said, aren't you setting up, the speakers are basically celebrities, aren't they, in the alternative media. And you're basically inviting people who've heard these speakers before and who know what it is they say and believe to come and pay money to kind of meet them. Isn't that just a waste of time? And he didn't like it very much. And he asked me, what did I mean? And I said, well, first of all, I said, I'm not a researcher, so I'm not going to be standing up and talking to anybody. But if I did have all that information, I would only be interested in speaking to a room full of people who thought I was barking mad or completely thought that it was absolute tosh. Because that's interesting. That's where you might get to, you know, move people or give them a, you know, no pun intended, alternative view. And he didn't like it. And um, and that was kind of that. And they were very suspicious then thereafter as to why I wouldn't join in and take the money and, and go and do the speaking and all of that. But that's um, that's a big deal. That and you mentioned this on your show um, last week or the week before when you did it. I only heard it at the weekend. You know when when you talked about how money is a big thing in this independent media kind of kind of circus. You know, I- I- interviewing each other, um, bigging each other up, attending each other's talks, and uh, and whatnot. And ultimately, it all boils down to. What, what, what you said, kind of giving people a, a kind of a pressure valve where they can go and go, ah, it's okay, somebody else is looking after it, when really they need to get up off their arses themselves and do something about it, ultimately. Well, exactly, that's the whole point. Yeah. But I know the whole essence of the thing now has become just this sort of talking shop and backslapping and nonsense, and they actually think they're doing something. But the point is that the shows that I put out, some of them are on history, but the whole of it is like a bigger picture which comes together to explain things in a very simple way. So I've been explaining the system for, say, 15 years. What I was trying to say with that point earlier on in the show was that people who talk in these talking shops, they never offer the solutions. And... I got to a point of thinking, well, do actually people want solutions? Do they actually want solutions? I was questioning it because I couldn't really work that out. And now what I see is this circular sort of chat room that goes nowhere, sort of doing past the parcel with the latest distraction. Do you know what I believe? Can I just briefly interrupt you for 15 seconds? I'll tell you what I believe. The grifters, the ones who turn up to the Julian Assange protests and make sure they're seen. Because uh, they've they've always got to be seen, you know, glad handing people and posting images of themselves on line at protests and stuff. And sometimes they give talks in Leicester Square. So they don't mean, amount to anything. Um, this is a money thing. It is grifting. Uh, of course, they don't want any solutions. I mean, these people could never have been um, well known or famous without this because they wouldn't be talented enough or they wouldn't have any skills or um, there wouldn't be anything about them that would be remotely watchable or or interesting to to most people. So of course, I I think you hit on something really important there. No, they do not want um an end to the tyranny that we um discuss on programs like this and you do on Windows on the World because then they're nothing. Then are they? I mean, they're they're, well, they're ultimately exactly nothing. It. Yeah, they they are enabling the whole thing. And I think your point about those AV conferences is absolutely spot on because if you look at the latest one, we had a bit of a giggle about that. Yeah. And it's just turned into this kind of mindless new age nonsense, which is even further back than it was when it started. So my point is that the alternative media hasn't gone forward. It's gone backwards. 
Loads of comments on this. Andy agrees with Mark regarding the solutions, but someone like Oliver on GB News might be of use purely by giving the normies a kind of a little bit of a shake initially. This might lead them ultimately to finding people like Mark Windows and 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 others. So that's an interesting point. James says, um, sorry to say, but very few people have ever heard of Mark Windows or Richie Allen, so they won't hear the solutions. You have to have a large audience to wake people up. The GB. No, you don't. No, that's rubbish. Because the the people with large audiences don't give solutions. So that's just a nonsense. What you have to do is you have to do the work yourself. It doesn't mean listening to someone who's got a big audience. It doesn't mean listening to GB News because they are never going to give you a solution. You're going to go round and round in circles. It's a bit like people who watch the Jeremy Kyle show every day when that was on. They get addicted to it. It's the same thing. You're addicted to what you want to hear and it keeps you from doing anything. Keeps you, yeah, he, he, he finishes by saying, and I disagree with what he says, he finishes saying that GB News was stopped by Ofcom and this is why the vaccine injured shows um, disappeared and Mark Stein um, was removed. But that's pathetic, James. If, if the GB News editorial team felt strongly enough about the vaccines hurting people, they would stick two fingers up to Ofcom and they would go on the air every night and talk about vaccine injuries. That's what somebody who's a real journalist would do. He wouldn't be scared off by Ofcom. So I disagree with um, with James. Well, if people can't see through GB News, then they are doomed to go round in circles. And this is counterintelligence. And counterintelligence, if it is not understood, will make its victims go round in this circle for eternity. That's G- the point. Jilly was on to say Oliver himself, and we leave Oliver after this comment, yeah. is not a historian. I wish I'd the- not brought him up now because I no, didn't really want to speak about but, him. But yeah. no, fair enough. And um, this, he, he could be any one of seven or eight. But yeah. um, it's good that you did actually because it's interesting. And we're getting a lot of mixed views on it, which is no harm either. Uh, Jilly says, by his own admission, he's not a historian and he didn't work for the Beeb. They made some documentaries um, that he featured in or he featured in some documentaries. But what's this got Tokyo. to do with anything, Richie? It's not got anything to do with what we're talking about. No, no, no. I think on I, I think some of our listeners strongly and maybe not so strongly disagree with the idea that it's completely useless. You know, the the GB News or the Talk TV. Some of them think that maybe people like you and me are just a bit too cynical and maybe one or two of these people are trying to do something within these organisations. Well, my cynicism comes from knowledge. And the point I was trying to make is that um, these are commercial operations. So you can't make excuses for them. And as for Ofcom, Ofcom acts like a mafia. And that is a big problem if you're going to be putting out any sort of broadcast in the UK. Because you have to deal with an organization which I've known quite a lot about in the past. So let's leave the GB news thing and move on to something more interesting. More maybe. productive, yeah. Yes. On um, something we talked about, um, you and I, ages and ages ago, um, to do with the global agenda, but rolled out locally. Um, scary stuff. We don't like to be, I don't know, depressing people or bringing them down, but they must know this. You and I talked about um, energy efficiency ratings and the impact they will have on homeowners in the near future. And since you were last on, in fact, only last week, the Scottish government has announced that it plans to look into 
enshrining in law, making it law, that if you don't remove your gas boiler, you will be forbidden or prevented from selling your house. So that's one of the reasons I detected, while funny at times, um, your podcast on the grifters and the the, the mainstream light media, while poignant at times, while angering at times, um, I also detected that sense of urgency in you. Because it's speeding up, it's it, it's it's accelerating at the speed of light now. I mean, I would have liked to have imagined some years ago that no politician would have dared to say, "I will, I will ban you from selling your house if you don't remove your gas boiler and implement a heat pump, which is going to cost you thousands and won't work." And I think the point I'm making is, um, there's no mask anymore, Mark, is there? No, but we talked about this years yeah. ago, Richard, with the Citizens' Assemblies on Climate Change in Oxford, yeah. led by Miles Allen, the computer modeler, who was rebuked by a court in 2018 for misleading the court, shall we say. I think that's what the judge referred to it as. And he was the instructor for the people who were learning about climate change with his computer modelling from Oxford University. And you had to believe in anthropogenic global warming and you had to have their solution, which was, of course, to retrofit all homes in the British Isles uh, up to £25,000 to start with. And those EPC certificates, I said at the time, 10 years ago when they came in, that... Was it 10 years ago? I think it was 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. The, you see, the, the, that was a sleeper. They were bringing in the system. So the those energy performance certificates were, were introduced. So you had to have one if you were going to sell your house. So it means that every house that was sold and every house on the market has to have one. So the, they, that was a form of infiltration. So now the gloves are off and they're opening te- openly telling you they're coming after your houses. And I was talking about this 15 years ago. That's why I have a sense of urgency, because I still believe that there is they potential can be stopped. To, to stop it. But while people are talking about nonsense, it will never happen. No, no, it'll just it'll just continue to accelerate and accelerate. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I mean, my own personal solution there is, um, I suppose, I, there's no there's nothing to hide. I can say it. We're looking at getting out of the country, effectively, because we're homeowners, and um, i i would be I would be in that catch I would be in that trap mark, I suppose, you know, whereby inevitably, when the English government, when the British government says yes, we are going to ban you from selling your home, I'd be trapped in that situation. So uh, my solution, I suppose, would be, and I might get criticism for this now, why don't you stay and fight? Well, look, first of all, I'm Irish. Am I going to fight? I should, maybe should be fighting in my own country. But all of this is being rolled out everywhere anyway. But we're looking for rural solutions elsewhere. Would you believe that? Of course, Richie, yeah. but I was suggesting this such a long time ago. I don't want to sound like I told you so and all that to, to the listeners. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that over the years, we've talked about this and in a very focused way. And all the shows we've done have given these solutions. So I think what it is that now I've done it all. It's all there. The information is there. People just have to take action. And this thing with, yeah, the, the energy performance certificates, all this stuff, we covered it years ago, years ago. So I knew exactly where it was heading because under this new system, as they say, you will own nothing. That's the whole point. But it's worse than that because 
you will have everything taken off you. That's what this is about. And I understand the system. I've been studying it for years. So there is no point in kind of making small talk about it anymore and circling around the issue for popularity because it's too late for that. That's really where I'm coming from now. So when people say, oh, I'll listen to you and Russell Brand, I said, well, don't listen to me then. Because if you're listening to that, you're wasting (laughs) your time. Mark Windows is on the line, windowsontheworld.net. Yeah, I I totally understand that too, absolutely. Um, Mark believes, and he has shown how this can work, that people can infiltrate local authorities and city and county, county councils. And that by doing that, they can make real change and slow, you know, enormously slow down this agenda or obliterate it. Um, I am very open to that, um, having listened to you, but you, you, I know you divide people when you say it, because people say, sure, the parties have loads of money, they'll wise up to it pretty quickly. There's always somebody who's got a spoke to put in there and say, it's, you know, it's not maybe not as straightforward as, as you think, but you're convinced Richie, the of this, aren't system- you? I have to say this, the system they're imposing is absolutely simple. There is nothing complicated about what these people are doing. People skirting around the issues is the problem. The solutions are already being done and tried. In places that I went back to in Devon, there are people forcing local councils into exposing themselves and and, They're getting the information out to the public. They're calling for referendums and there has been votes of no confidence. This is stuff that people can do very easily. It's on your doorstep and you've got no excuse now because they're coming for everything you've got. So what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there watching your favourite podcasters telling you how terrible it is and how corrupt the government is? Or are you going to take responsibility? That's the question. And that's what it all boils down to, doesn't it? At this stage now. But, you know, how many more times can you be told that there is an agenda coming in which will leave you penniless, potless and completely controlled? How many times do you accept that um, before you actually decide that I'm going to take part in some meaningful action against it? Absolutely. It's so difficult, though, because the the programming is that strong and that successful. And something I said to you before, which sticks with me, um, which keeps coming back to me, middle-income people, you know, people who were never rich but were never broke, got on, 2.3 children, you know, the job, that the, the holidays mark. The government has never come to their door in the past. They've never had to deal with the state. They've never had to deal with the old bill. They've never seen the bad side of it. And those are the most difficult people to convince that there's a train coming down the tracks because... They've never had any negative dealings with the authorities, if you want to use that particular They want term. to keep the blinkers on until the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we know, that's not going to work. Yeah. And saying that it's the government is a bit of a mistake. The government are just a channel of for course. these policies. Delivering the agenda, so yeah. They're, they're really nothing to do with it. And the more people focus on the minute of detail of politicians, the more they're off track. And ultimately, that's what they do in the, the some of the new mainstream media who call themselves alternative, which is farcical, and it's actually vomit-inducing. 
But ultimately, that's their job. It's their job to give people a sense that they understand them. And we talked about this earlier on, the pressure valve. But then direct them towards their, you know, preferred party or preferred candidates. This is why Rhys Mogg and Nadine Dorries and all these people now, and some of the Labour um, stalwarts, are popping up on television news programmes, giving their tuppence worth. It's that simple. You're right to say that. It is so simple to see this. It's so obvious. It should be obvious to everybody. That's right. Absolutely. Can I just put this to you, by the way? Something yeah. I have put to you before. And you can yawn if you want. I don't mind. I, I, I genuinely mean that. I said this to a guest last night because sometimes we, we do end up covering ground that um, is probably tedious to you. But, but I, I do have to say this because I believe this to be really true. There are people who are lazy. There are people who are blinkered and they want to leave it till the last minute. But I'm going to tell you something else, my friend. There are people who are absolutely terrified of bully boy thug mobs running things if we ever got rid of the system. People who've seen Mad Max, don't laugh now. You know this is true. People who are maybe physically compromised, maybe people who can't take care of themselves physically. And they think, oh, it's great Richie Allen saying we have to, you know, completely dis- disavow politics and politicians. We've got to be civil, disobedient people and all of that shite like. But who's going to look after us when the strongest... Well, the solution is to go back into their system while you still can. Because even though law and order has been completely eroded, it is still there. There's a little nugget of policy and law that these people have to adhere to. So you have to make them adhere strictly to their own rules. And that is a very good way to start because these people are acting beyond authority. And technically, they're not allowed to do that, but it's up to you to point it out because while you're sitting at home watching the telly, or whatever you're doing, they're down at the town hall and they're working on the next stage of the project. And this project has been planned a long time. And these councils are now unitary councils. They are conglomerates of councils. I was talking about this about five years ago. They've all joined together to give you less access to any kind of what they call local democracy. What they call local democracy is the propaganda that they put out. Communitarianism is an imp- imposition from above masquerading as the community, but you're not the community. And that's the thing to remember. You're in Bulgaria. By the way, folks, um, it's Mark Windows, you know that. Windows on the world.net, check it out. If uh, in, in the unlikely event you haven't heard Mark before, I'm sure you have, check out the website. Um, there is a tranche, really, of evidence there, of information, of interviews, of podcasts, uh, talks Mark has given over the years. Check it out today. Um, something has come, gone right out of my head now. What I was going to ask you next, and it was it was, it was important to our so conversation. What? I'll come back to it. No, no, okay. I've, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. So you're traveling in Bulgaria. Now this is very interesting because Bulgaria is a country which escaped from behind the Iron Curtain. So people in these countries, I like to think that people in Bulgaria, people in Poland, in Romania, um, they might see this sooner than people who've grown up in Ireland or, or the UK. Have you seen any evidence of that? Oh, absolutely. People in these countries go about things in a completely different way. In other words, they'll say, yeah, we'll do that. And then they'll just do what they want to do. 
because the thing is in the UK, people are so into authority and they're so scared of authority that they will actually grass each other up. That's part of this system. And that's, of course, what these people saw through communism. So they're very suspicious of anything like that. But there's great examples of getting around the system here all the time. And everyone does it. I mean, that's the point. This country, I think, was communist till 1988. So there's still memories of that. And you can still see the signs of it everywhere. Now, the reason I travel is because I can live really cheaply here. I can get on with work. And I like the nature. That's why I travel. I like natural surroundings. I've found that um, Britain, everything's been closed off through Agenda 2030. You can't camp anywhere. You can't park anywhere. You can't do anything. So these countries are still like a bit of a wilderness, really, hasn't, compared to the UK. Hasn't a judge just repealed a law that banned wild camping in Dartmoor? I think I read that recently. That's one little bit of positivity to introduce to this. Um, not a bad thing to hear that. I mean, I just find it preposterous that any, anyone could think they have the authority to tell an Englishman or an Englishwoman that they don't have the right to camp in the wildlands of the country. But um, yeah, some judges re repealed some law. So you can camp in Dartmoor now, as long as you clean up after yourself, I, I believe. But that's really interesting about Bulgaria. And you mentioned that people, so they say, yeah, yeah, and then they go about it their own way and they have their little ways and means. Have you any examples of that? Well, for instance, they have elections here. And on an election day, you're not allowed to drink alcohol. And I don't drink alcohol generally, but I was out with some friends and the restaurant owner says, well, Mark, you, you can't you can't have wine today. It's, a, it's an election day. So what he did, he brought back a tumbler full of wine and an empty Coca-Cola can. That's called getting round it. If you did that in the UK, the pub manager would say, well, if I do it for you, I'd have to do it for everyone, wouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do you see what I mean? I do. I, I, do you know, what? We, that's very funny that we, we witnessed some of that mentality when we were in Spain. Yeah, so it's just, it's not particular yeah. to here. It's just, uh, I mean, I've, I've driven over to Greece and Turkey and Greece and Turkey are great. I, I drove through northern Turkey last time I had to leave this country and it was wonderful. And people think in a different way. I got really fed up with the compliance in the UK and also banging my head against a brick wall and all the nonsense that was being kind of put around me. So I love being in nature. And the whole thing, Agenda 21, is to take you away from that, all yeah. on the back of a fake environmental project. What a cheek. What an absolute cheek these people have got. The audacity is the only thing they have. The rest of it falls apart. And of course... The climate change, religion, is all they have to glue it together. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't burn to death in the climate catastrophe in Greece during your time there. We're lucky to have you. you, 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 you <laughs> wonderful. You, wonderful. I don't mind 35 to 40 degrees. Quite comfortable. Yeah, the things they get away with saying. And you'll have seen the maps. Aren't the maps on the weather forecasts hilarious, aren't they? The orange and well, red Well, it is ridiculous. And yeah. then you ask them, well, when did the record start? And they say 1940 <laughs> for that particular bit of information. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got these, these two publications in the UK that are the main programming machines, vehicles for the agenda, which is The Guardian and The Independent. And their stories are laughable. 
But the, it's not laughable in one way because these people who are writing this nonsense actually believe it. So that means yeah. that they are part of a very dangerous cult. The climate change cult is very dangerous and the globalists know it. All is they're doing is getting the population to turn on each other over the biggest scam in living memory, if not human history. Because I don't think there's been a scam like the climate change scam ever because it affects everybody yeah. on the planet. There's never been a tyranny like that. All on the back of you save the planet and we'll have it. And very, you know, very simple plan. And it's the most easily debunked. And when I was in, yeah. when I was in, you know, what I call regular or mainstream radio, my politics, when I when I did have politics, were on the left. So I would have voted for the Socialist Workers' Party. I would have voted for Sinn Féin. Uh, there was a party called the Workers' Party. So I voted on the left, sometimes the Labour Party in Ireland. And, you know, even people that are reasonably bright, I'm not the brightest guy in the room most of the time, but I'm reasonably bright. They were able to sell me in my late teens and early 20s on the climate crisis by basically convincing me that it was a right-wing agenda, you know, to, de <laughs> yeah. to deny it, you know, that basically <laughs> the right are destroying the planet and making it warm and, uh, you know, lefties are good people and we, we don't want to let that happen. And I, I was suckered into that. And yet, you, you look at how easily it is to pick it apart in a few sentences. How, yeah, how but the, the actual programming with these people is extraordinarily deep. There was one... I won't mention his name, but I did a show about him called The Big Green Ego. And he suggested, or more than implied, that I was part of some right-wing think tank. He said, oh, I've come across <laughs> people like Windows before. They're, they're straight out of Tufton Street. And I thought, what the hell is it? What, what's Tufton Street got to do with it? So I looked up Tufton Street, and of course, it's where the Global Warming Policy Foundation is. So they make this assumption that if you're going against this pathetic narrative they've got, that somehow you're getting paid. Yeah, you're, 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 you're an infiltrator or something. It's just, it's a, well, this is like what the truth or industrial complex do. But I mean, this is what they do as well. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's absolutely bizarre, really. And again, so easily explained. Uh, for people. Mark, Windows is again. We've got Mark for a couple more minutes. Look, in the couple of minutes we have left, um, the obvious question is, do you still have optimism that this will be stopped? That's a very generalisation, isn't it? That this will be stopped. But I think that's probably the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. You have to take individual responsibility for what you're doing, plan ahead and act accordingly. You can't sit there doing nothing anymore. The time for that is over. And that's the thing I've found in the UK is the apathy is quite overwhelming because people still feel like they've got this structure around them. They have this governance system that's hundreds of years old, that it's a very civilised country. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's not. And those days, are, well, or even the thinking of that as a reality is long gone. Let me finish with two comments for you. One, a little bit of criticism and another one, plenty of praise. We'll start with the criticism. Melanie says, I give Mark the greatest respect for his research contributions to a body of essential knowledge. 
but so many people are not there yet and Mark is often cutting and unkind and he makes broad brushing assumptions about people who've attended uni for example were not all indoctrinated regardless of the institution attendance I never said Melanie. that I've, I've just made made an example of people who were coming out who were indoctrinated and never said everyone was indoctrinated at all fair enough okay <laughs> it doesn't make sense <laughs> how can I say everyone's indoctrinated um, and look, I could read out dozens. Um, there's many people here saying, I um, love listening to Windows on the World. Don't miss it. Thanks to Mark for what he's doing. I hope he uh, has continued success in Bulgaria on his travels. Loads of them wishing you all the best. It's essential viewing, folks. WindowsontheWorld.net. Check it out online. It's on Spreaker. You can watch it on YouTube as well. Um, always great to have you on pal and thanks for making me laugh out loud on my run last Saturday morning and do you know where <laughs> oh, I was there'll be more of that do you know there'll where I was I, I hope, to, I hope to, I'm sure there will be more of it I know you've got further episodes planned but I was running past the BBC building in Salford Keys I just laughing my backside off listening to that but uh, um, and we well, have to ridicule is the most potent weapon so we should use it well, yeah, you, you you basically undress it, don't you, by ridiculing yeah. it. You, you expose it in all its naked stupidity and, and, and all the rest of it. But uh, no, thanks for your time, pal. I know you're busy and uh, I really appreciate it. Interesting thoughts as well on the Bulgarians and knowing about communism and where it's going and fascinating stuff. Windowsontheworld.net. Until next time, Godspeed to you. Thanks, Richie. Bye. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Mark Windows live on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. Windowsontheworld.net. Mark's on Twitter as well, but I think he might have been frozen out of his Twitter account. I, I haven't seen a tweet. Not that I use Twitter much myself at all, really, but I haven't seen a tweet from him in quite the while. I think I'll take a tune, dear listener, and when I return, I will read your comments. They are legion, but I've not got a tune lined up. Because <laughs> I was listening to Mark, you see, it's time. So I've got, uh, go on, Violent Femmes then, why not? Violent Femmes and Blister in the Sun. And then your comments on the Richie Allen Show, which is live, 28 and a half minutes or thereabouts, to 6, to 7, to 7. Yeah, the Violent Femmes on the Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. Not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. And the time is 26 minutes or thereabouts to the top of the hour. Thank you for your messages. Hey, Jenny, she says, I was talking to a couple of people today. They were convinced that farm animals are contributing to global warming. I said to them, but there have always been animals. Then they said, that there are more animals now than in the past. I said to them, there are far few animals than there used to be. Just take lions as one example. There used to be millions of them, but now there are just a few thousand. They're an endangered species. They stared at me, says Jenny, as if I was from another planet, and then decided they had to go. I know we are all different and I shouldn't get frustrated, but I can't help it. But you shouldn't try to help it. You did the right thing, Jenny. The thing not to do is to be rude. But the frustration is totally understandable because it is happening at the speed of light now. These things are coming in. You know, we won't be producing any more diesel or petrol cars in 2030. That's seven years away. The Scottish goon uh, Humza Yousaf 
saying if I pronounced that wrong in, incorrectly I couldn't give a shit to be honest Humza Youssef saying that they're going to ban people who refuse to change over from a gas boiler to heat pump they'll ban them from selling their homes I mean this is tyranny it isn't in any way glib in any way to compare this to Nazi type behaviour it is absolutely totalitarianism this you know I, I, I used to fantasise listening to the, I still do sometimes these these people should be and I'm not I'm not advocating this because I genuinely do not advocate violence except in self-defence if you're being attacked physically yes if somebody's trying to take something from you yes of course um, do what you need to do but th- these people you know I tarred and feathered tarred them and feathered them know their names and as Mark Windows quite correctly pointed out a moment ago, these are not, this isn't the brainchild of Humza Youssef. Humza Youssef is an idiot, a useful idiot, like his counterparts in Wales and in Northern Ireland, where they don't have a counterpart, do they, at the moment. Um, useful idiots, not, not their ideas, not their ideas. They didn't get together and decide, yes, let's, let's um, introduce into law that if you don't do the climate change friendly thing, we will prevent you from selling your house. No, no, it's somebody else's agenda. Civil servants and think tanks tell these idiots what to do. Who instructs the civil servants and the think tanks and the special advisors? Well, you've got to start going up the chain. You know how it works. I don't need to tell you this is old hat. Tarred them and feathered them. You are betraying the people of your country. You are betraying the people who put you in office by threatening to steal from them if they don't commit financial suicide based on um, a a lie that by their very existence they are warming the planet irrevocably. By your existence, by your going about your business, by your driving, by your living, you are irrevocably damaging the planet so therefore you must commit financial suicide or we'll prevent you from selling the home you own that's first it, it is frustrating when this is happening and things like this are happening and people look through you like you just told them I don't know the moon is made of cheese they look at you like you're crazy I wouldn't worry about being frustrated by it Jenny there's plenty to be frustrated about Keep cool as much as you possibly can. Lucy reckons if people are apathetic, it's probably due to many things, including not knowing what to do and possibly fear. Agreed. Again, I go back to this. I've said this before. The risk of repeating myself over and over again. I've met people who said, what replaces when the system is torn down, Richie? And that is a genuine and I think a very legitimate concern. Who's going to run things? Big, strong guys like you. I'm not that big and I'm not that strong, funnily enough, right? But who's going to run things? Mobs? Is it going to be mob rule? In the vacuum left by the tearing down of the totalitarian states? What fills the vacuum? That is a legitimate concern people have. You know, people who can't look after themselves. And there are lots of people who can't look after themselves. They have to be looked after. That's the essence of genuine socialism of Bolivarian socialism, the essence is is that when people can't do for themselves all the rest of us, we do for them. Of course, that that doesn't extend to locking yourself into your home 
to prevent giving somebody a cold. That's bollocks and that isn't socialism, of course. But the socialist socialism at its purest, nobody should want because they're not as strong or because they're a little bit weaker or because they don't have the, the means or they don't have the intellect or whatever. And some of these people say, what's going to happen to me, Richie, if you're... Wish if your dream comes through, Richie, and we 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 divest ourselves of tyrannical governments and governments full stop, who's going to look after me? That's a legitimate question. Does anybody have an answer for that? Um, I'd be very interested in hearing it, to be honest. How would you how would you speaking of those fears? how would you assure people or reassure people don't worry it wouldn't be like that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be mob rule it wouldn't be thugs going around in pickup trucks stealing from people you know Peter says really enjoyed the chat with Mark the problem with the people in the UK the normies is that they don't see the signs of tyranny we met a couple of people from Lithuania some years ago they could see the parallels of Soviet Russia decades ago, and nowadays in the UK, they could compare and contrast Lithuania under the Iron Curtain to the UK today. The difference is, Peter, being those governmental figures filling their boots in Westminster, they hide behind the veneer of respectability. And this is what fools the normies, says Peter. Very good. Bry has been on to say, Richie, there has been a plethora of crop circles this year. Stonehenge drone scapes on YouTube is showing them. Maybe you could look into this and maybe do an interview. I will, Brian. That's a promise. I'll have a look in. I'm very interested in such matters. Thank you. Lucy from Northern Ireland was asking about where we might escape to. Look, Caroline is French. Her mum, though healthy, thankfully, thank God she's healthy, uh, her mum obviously lives in France. Her family's in France. And we had always planned on trying to relocate to France at some stage. It was always in the, the offing at some stage or another, so that's where we are. <laughs> you know, we're not naive, of course. We know that France is equally as tyrannical. But there are things, there are places we could go in France that are cheaper than similar type places here in the UK. I'm talking rural. You know, much, much cheaper at the moment, anyway than trying to move to a rural location here in the UK. And as I said, we've got to factor in the family is in France. Sam came on to say, I watched a documentary just yesterday where they explained America once had 100 million bison roaming at one point, let alone all of the other wild animals. Thank you, Sam. That sounds very interesting to me. Christine says, Richie, the useful idiots in Stormont are probably too busy organising next St. Patrick's Day trip to New York and being paid for the privilege. That's fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Uh, Norman says, Risky Suntan is coming under ridicule in the press for his half-mast trousers. He's tiny, yet his tailor must be crap. I did see an article in the Telegraph this afternoon saying, who the hell is dressing Rishi Sunak? It's not as if he doesn't have the money. He's ridiculously wealthy, right? Wife's a billionaire, right? Very good point. Baird says, Richie, we all love and look after our neighbours. The government does not. 
Catherine says, I think Catherine says, ask Stevie Wonder. Um, 17 minutes to the top of the hour. Catherine, you might want to resend that. I think you meant something else. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe that's exactly what you meant. Let me just go back to the messages. Now, Diane says, Hi, Diane. We saw the tyranny under Thatcher. We got out. What do we get in Ireland, says Diane? Thatcherism. The sarcastic window cleaner says, We're different there, Richie. I would advocate extreme violence in certain situations. Everyone is capable given the right circumstances. Yes, I would not advocate extreme violence myself in any situation. I think you do what you need to do to defend yourself and your property, but only as much as you need to do. Again, that's my opinion. Joe Public says Humza Yusuf is an absolute moron. Elizabeth says maybe precisely because Marcus in Bulgaria experiencing locals taking freedom in their own hands, you know, doing that little bit of civil disobedience. That's why Mark is feeling frustrated by the Northern Europeans in the UK and the Netherlands, who suck, it all, suck all the rules up and obey. I can understand this, because having lived for, in Greece for 10 years, starting before the euro was brought in, I get it, says Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Oh, the abuse I got. Now, you, you, you never hear me talking about the abuse I got. Because it's irrelevant, right? doesn't matter. But I remember doing episodes of this programme. Live episodes, obviously. Around about the time when the left wanted to believe that Alexis Tsipras and Yanis Varoufakis were genuine thorns in the side of the European Union and the European Central Bank. Remember? And I said, no. Yanis Varoufakis and uh, Alexis Tsipras are Trojan horses. They will sell out the Greek people at the speed of light. Do not trust them. Do not believe them. And I was proven right. Took a lot of flack for it. Tsipras told the Greeks to reject in the referendum, reject the terms of the bailout, the terms offered by the European Union. The Greeks did what he said. And he said, yes. Um... Vote against the terms. Vote against the terms. The Greek people trusted him. What did they do, the two of them? Tsipras more, more so than Varoufakis. But he signed even more unfavourable terms. Later on. Greek person died at home. Um, one person, we know this to be true, um, was living on life support in their home. No place in hospital. Electricity was cut off person died. This sort of stuff was going on in Greece. Trojan Horse Party came along. New party. Sexy young Alexis Tsipras will stand up to the EU. What he should have done of course, Elizabeth is, is maybe, maybe, maybe thinking the same what he should have done was walked out of the European Union overnight told the Greek people who voted against the bailout terms and because they voted against the bailout terms they would have voted to leave the European Union. Forget your articles. Forget your two-year leaving process. We're leaving tomorrow. We're leaving tomorrow. We're defaulting on every illegal loan that was given to Greece by the European Central Bank. We're defaulting. You can go and sing for the money. Money never existed anyway. You, you um, invented that money out of thin air. And what you got in return for it was you raped Greece of all of its natural resources. So we're defaulting on every loan that you say we owe you. 
We are leaving the European Union tomorrow morning and we are printing the drachma. And we're going to open the country up again to tourism. It's going to be a lovely place to come. Affordable. Cheap. That's what they should have done. I was saying that years and years and years ago. And uh, I was criticised heavily for it. Oh, these are really good people, Richie. They're standing up to the European Union. You know, none of these people ever come back to you and have the courage to say, Jesus, Richie, you were right, you know. Same with the Jeremy Corbyn criticism on this show. The abuse. Nobody ever came back and said, Christ, Richie, you were right, you know. When Donald Trump announced he was running for president, I said he was a charlatan, probably a paedophile. Uh, oh, I can't believe it, Richie. He's uh, standing up to the deep state. I can't believe it. Oh, Richie, I can't believe it. Uh, you're a shill, Richie. They never came back to apologise. Donald Trump proved to be exactly that which I said he was on this programme. They never come back to you. Never, ever come back and say, Jesus, Richie, why did I get fooled, you know? <laughs> why do I keep getting fooled? You know? Paula says, I think Sunak is channeling Norman Wisdom with those suits. <laughs> he might be. Paul was on to say, nice leather jacket, though. Referring to Cypress, maybe. Varifakis, yeah. Hi to Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Nice to hear from you, pal. Hi to Cookie, who says, similar to the lady in Italy, talks the talk, but is going along with the agendas. Yes, Cookie, that's right. Orban in Hungary. They're all the same. Plants. Plants. Every one of them. Oh, he's great, isn't he? He's standing up to wokeism, isn't he? And he's taking on the European Union. No, he's not. He is, as Mark said earlier on, he's a pressure valve. Ron DeSantis, pressure valve. Makes it look like uh, somebody standing up to wokeism and gender ideology and queer theory. Makes it look like it. He's not really. Donald Trump, remember, I will have her put in prison for all the terrible things the Clinton crime cartel did. People went, yippee, yippee, yippee. This is brilliant. Hillary Clinton is a crook. Hillary Clinton is an abomination. I'm saying this. Not Donald Trump. Of course she is. An abomination. Hillary Clinton. Evil manifested in physical form. That fucker convinced people, Trump, that he was going to do something about her. Now, of course, I didn't believe it. I was saying it. From day one, the day he announced. Ah, the reality television president. Ah, yeah. The Trump Towers guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to build a wall. He's going to bring back American jobs from overseas. Yeah. No, he's not. He's not going to do any of that. It's going to be a puppet show. Theatre for four years. It's going to be absolute car crash. Television. Nothing is going to happen. More bombs were dropped overseas on on Trump's watch than were dropped on Obama's. That's a fact. It's an inconvenient fact to the Trump supporters who still believe that the new indictments against him are because he was um, QAnon, because he was destroying the deep state. They still believe this shit, you know. They still believe it. This is why Mark Windows is losing his mind. He's not losing his mind. That's, that's a metaphor. This is why he's absolutely pissed off. Because they keep falling for it. Because it's easier to fall for it than to get up off your backside and do summit. I get asked the question all the time. You're someone to talk. What have you done? Well, it might be something, it might be nothing. That's up to you. But for quite a few years now, I think I've brought this conversation to people who wouldn't have heard it before. That's been my little contribution. Like I said, you can decide how little or how, you know, how little importance it is. Or you, you might say, well, it, is, it, it has some small bit of importance. That was my aim. 
This is why I had the conversation many years ago with, with Ian Crane, rest in peace. Well, I never had anything against Persnick because I never met him, but I didn't like him. But the chap isn't with us anymore, so I'm not going to badmouth him. But I said, really? You want me to go and speak to people and get paid for it? But these people, they know this shit. Is there any way you can get me into a room full of people who think that climate change is real, that false flag terrorism is bullshit? Um, get me in a room with those people. That's interesting to me. But um, no, that's not what the truth or industrial complex wants. It wants to sell you the truth, which you already know. And many people are all too happy to pay them to hear what they already know. Paul says, saw the who in Brighton last week, he says. Um, I won't do that, Paul, because I did it recently, but thank you anyway. Ironically, Paul, they will get fooled again. Um, Baird asks, can I presume you include Putin in that plant pressure valve category now, Richie? Baird, I've been criticising Vladimir Putin since 2010 when I began doing these types of radio shows in Spain. That's the truth. I did a big show on the Putin fuckfest at the Sochi Olympics. I've been suggesting for years and years that Putin is controlled vicariously or otherwise by the same puppet masters who control the Western governments. I've always said that's my opinion. I don't offer any definitive proof because I can't. They're all controlled, in my opinion, every one of them. Yeah. Chris came back to say Trump also put $2 trillion or more onto the USA's deficit or debt. Thank you. Yeah, but they keep getting fooled, don't they, Paul? Keep going back to him. God, yeah. Why would they be doing this, Richie? And they don't want to hear the answer. The answer is because it is like television. Look at politics today like the Kiefer Sutherland brilliant, brilliant drama series 24. I think Kiefer Sutherland's 24, which went out on Fox, ironically, is a beautiful metaphor for 24-hour rolling news. You keep going back to it, don't you? With the Skittles and the beer and the popcorn. I don't mean you. You're not that fucking stupid. But they keep going back to it. You keep going back, they can't wait. Oh, Trump is giving a rally in North Carolina. Can't wait to watch it. And try. It's just absolute virtual reality. Yeah, they're doing this to me. And it's Nazism, yeah. Because I went after the deep state. Worst impression ever. But they fucking believe it. But you didn't. You were in office for four years, you did nothing. You want, you, want, you want to fool me again, do you? I'll go on. Go on, I'll be fooled again. I'll vote for you again. I'll believe this bullshit that you were unearthing the deep state and the pedophilia. I'll believe it even though there isn't a shred of evidence. Because I need to hang on to that. This idea that there is some genuine opposition. When really the only opposition should be you. You yourself. In your little deeds. Your daily deeds. It's like Mark said, it doesn't have to be. You know, Guy Fawkes like. It doesn't have to be Guy Fawkes. You can do little things. Little acts of disobedience. And uh, make a difference that way. But yeah, they'll fall for Trump again. Trump will be elected again. No doubt about it. Next year, it'll be another shit show for four years. Fantastic theatre. Wonderful sound bites. But the lives of the people who voted for him will continually worsen under his stewardship, if you want to put it like that. 
something weird happening here. Yeah, and um, it, it, they they won't admit this. No, they won't. That has been your Richie Allen show for Wednesday, the second of August, twenty twenty three. Thank you so much for um, listening to it. We are going to talk tomorrow, you and me. And if you want to pick up this point about solutions, we can do that. I'll be taking your phone calls, your WhatsApp calls and your Skype calls tomorrow, Thursday. We'll have plenty of time. And I do want to hear from people we've never heard from before or from people we haven't heard from for a long time. I want to hear from you tomorrow on The Richie Allen Show. I'm leaving you with this from Peter Gabriel because it's from a great film called Say Anything. And I love that film. John Cusack's a bit mad if you read his tweets, but anyway, he's got plenty in the bank. Hasta mañana, amigo. Bye now.